Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, again, this particular topic is quite a polarizing topic, so I just want to start this episode with a little disclaimer around the sensitive subjects of um, this particular pandemic and vaccination will be discussed. Um, so be aware that that's what is involved in in this episode and um, make the choice to listen or not mm. always with any of this these are our feelings our rants our opinions and take them with a grain of salt mm. we like to consider that sometimes we put information out onto a smorgasbord like mm. a big lazy susan and you just you have a seat at the table you spin that lazy susan and then you take off what you wish and leave the rest. Mm-hmm. Really do. Just leave the rest. It's all about choice. Your choice. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. Or not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Radical Awareness podcast with myself, John, and Nicole. Hello. Today we're going to be delving into the topic of trauma-informed from the perspective of a trauma-informed world and trauma-informed practices in our world, um, using this lens of choice and the ways that choice can be and potentially is being taken away through the practices of coercion um, and separation, segregation, and all of those wonderful things that from many, many perspectives, we would have hoped that as a society, we would have grown out of, we would have learnt about, we would have mm. realised um, to not fall back into these ways of the past. Mm. But it's uh, looking each day as we go by uh, that that's not exactly what's happening. And trauma-informed living, trauma, this whole concept of trauma-informed is to offer freedom, right? That every individual, we believe that every individual being here on the planet deserves to be free and one of the greatest ways to know or to check if freedom is happening is if the individual still has choice the choice to choose what's right for them and of course there are guidelines and let's say i say rules and laws although half of them aren't very necessary but that you know, keep society and keep a, a level of coherence in groups of people who are living together. But we're definitely at a point in our world, in our evolution as humanity, where the control and the rules and these guidelines tend to serve one group of people, but maybe not all people, where maybe a certain group of people are allowed more freedoms and others are not. And that's been going on for a long time, definitely the whole time I've been on the planet this time around. Um, but what we're seeing now with this with this pandemic and this so-called public health crisis 
is that the people in power, let's say, and I'm sure some of them are aware and some of them are very much not aware, are using this, this public health crisis to take away choice, to take away freedom, and to actually traumatize whole nations of people. And then by doing so with all of this fear, creating all of this divide. So between the people, we're also trying to take choice away from each other because we think someone else's choice needs to be taken away for us to feel safe, for us to feel free. And this is a very, it's become very confused and very muddled and the information isn't clear. And what we're seeing is a very a scary time where we are losing our choice. We're losing our basic human rights. And this is nowhere near trauma-informed living. And it is there is no way that ever in the history of humanity or I believe in the future of humanity that every single person is going to agree to the same thing, except maybe that we all breathe, you know? Mm. Um, and so trying to make a whole global population do something the same is insane. And I was thinking about this this morning, this idea of uh, somebody said to me, and we are very much directly right now talking about mass vaccinations and mask mask wearing and rules around these things. But somebody said to me that um, talking about the vaccination, that it is overwhelmingly safe, right? Mm. What a bizarre concept and statement to say about anything. And so I was thinking, what is something in our world that is overwhelmingly safe and would work with it for everyone? And the example that I had to myself was a banana, right? Like a banana is pretty safe. Most people could consume a banana. What about allergies? Exactly. What about allergies, John? Mm. Not all people could safely consume a banana. You know, it's this, and there's so many other examples and maybe you can think of things, but there is no one rule that works for everybody. It's actually not it's not going to be safe and it's not okay. And so we come to this, this concept of right now, there's this intense coercion and bullying and just epic levels of advertising and marketing for this vaccination uh, for COVID-19, which is a virus that hasn't really killed that many people and is actually relatively easy to recover from if you know what to do and if you get it yet they want to vaccinate the whole population, even parts of the population that don't really get affected, which would even be our age group, uh, anything under 50, and especially teenagers and young children, um, really don't require this type of supposed protection. But instead of, of there being a choice, instead of there being freedom of information and informed consent, we're just being bullied and pressured into taking it and just told with this blanket statement that it's safe and effective. And there is nothing trauma-informed about this approach whatsoever. Mm. And if we, if, we, if we strip it back fundamentally, um, one of the things that's being taken away is our choice on what we choose to believe, who we choose to consider as an authority on a subject. And for as far back as I know, when someone was persecuted for choosing to believe in something else, uh, it didn't go very well uh, if they believed in a different particular religion or maybe they believed in, in practices that might be considered witchcraft and they were 
burned at the stake or drowned to see whether or not they were a witch. Mm-hmm. I think there's a fantastic Monty Python sketch around the Indeed, concept yeah. of uh, of the absolute ludicrousy around this. Um, so when we are being told who to believe, who has the truth, then this is not choice. This is not freedom. And when a whole bunch of information becomes censored, when qualified medical professionals are sharing an opinion that's an alternate opinion to the mainstream narrative and they're being censored, it starts to, well, look very suspicious. It does, John. It does start to look suspicious and concerning for our for our freedoms because it creates a real divide. And, you know, I understand why people want to believe the government narrative and the mainstream media narrative. That feels safer. You're like, well, of course they're telling us the truth. Those people are looking out for us. And it's a very inconvenient truth to think that maybe they're not. To think that maybe politicians lie. Is that just, it, it, it's funny, isn't it, John? Because, you know, so many people that I know could agree that governments are kind of corrupt. You know, there's kind of a joke about it. Oh, yeah, politicians lie. They're untrustworthy. You know, all of this thing. And then suddenly we're in this so-called public health uh, crisis and everyone's like, I 100% trust the government. They're definitely not lying to me. And when they say things like, we're your only source of truth and everyone needs to take this vaccine and everyone needs to wear a mask, And then suddenly people just believe it like it's truth. Have they forgotten that before they could recognize with their critical thinking in their minds that governments and politicians lie about stuff? They're not really that trustworthy and they shouldn't be in charge of public health ever. Mm. Most people that are dictating all of these rules in the media and in the government aren't doctors, haven't actually seen a COVID patient, have literally no idea about this. They're just getting information and feeding it. And then as you, as an individual, autonomous, intelligent human being, are not allowed to look at any other information. And when you try uh, on platforms such as Google or, you know, on your local news network, then there's a very, very limited range of information that is shown to you. You have to go digging through and past and beyond what many would consider legitimate Um, because of the ways things have been spun in the past around where the right information lies. Or the good information, the true information, is only ever on your local news channel and (laughs) the government government website. Um, So we are in a time, unprecedented time, of a struggle to get information. And so... We see this as a removal of the ability to choose because the other options, the other choices aren't being shown to the greater public through the mainstream sources. So this choice removal is a form of traumatization. Mm. It's psychological warfare is actually what it is uh, through information, through the media like this. And it is very, very traumatizing and it creates a huge divide in people. And one of the massive issues with this, with censoring information and just giving only one option of saying you just have to get vaccinated, is taking away informed consent, which is actually 
their legal obligation. You have to have informed consent for any medical procedure. That's how it is pretty much all over the world. And informed consent means that the doctor, not a government official, a medical professional who's trained in this and understands um, medicine, <laughs> I want to say, <laughs> not PR, um, can tell you all of the ingredients that are in said vaccine, which in this case they would have to tell you it's not actually a vaccine because it doesn't follow any of the regulations of any other vaccine before. It's more like gene therapy. So you'd need to know that. You also need to know what all the ingredients are, which is actually quite challenging because it's very kept secret within the, um, the companies who are creating them, which is also curious. You would also need to know all of the side effects of every ingredient that was in this so-called vaccine. You would also need to know any, all of the benefits, all of the side effects and all of the long-term and short-term potential effects. Now, remembering that within informed consent, you also have the right to ask to see all of the peer-reviewed studies that were done that aren't done from the people who actually profit from the vaccine itself, but outside studies, because you deserve to see that, right? Because your long-term health is actually something you should consider. Now, one, if you were to ask for those right now around the COVID-19 vaccine, you wouldn't actually be able to get them because they don't exist, because they can't do long-term studies because we haven't had a long-term yet, which means things like fertility or pregnant women or anything are really at risk because we don't know. And yet they are saying, these so-called leaders who are looking after our health, that it's, it's 100% safe and effective for a pregnant woman. Studies haven't been done on pregnant women. Studies haven't were even avoided on animals. They didn't. They, they bypassed the animal testing stage. So we've really got to consider that if this was trauma informed, if we had informed consent, we'd have all this information, we'd have access to it. And yet, I am going to guess because I don't know that most people who have gone to get the vaccination did not get informed consent or do not understand what informed consent is mm -hmm. and don't actually unactually aware that this isn't a normal vaccination, that it is a different type of technology that has never been used on humans before. And we are seeing the death rates and the adverse reactions absolutely through the roof. Nothing that's been seen before, especially from, let's even say, a vaccine. And there's been a lot of it with vaccines, but with any other drug. And this isn't stuff that we're making up. This is actually reported through um, VAERS, which is the vaccine adverse effects. What is it? Adverse Events um, Database System. Yeah, yeah, in the States, which have recorded up to about 11,000 deaths in I think the first eight months. Now, remembering that that software, because they don't really want these numbers to come out, is actually really hard to uh, put the details in. And so what the, let's say, professionals, these censored people and doctors um, in the field are saying is about 1% will get reported on VAERS. And that's got 11,000 deaths from the vaccine alone. And so just knowing this, this kind of information, it can be so easy. We can go into a stage of what we call cognitive dissonance, where you don't want to believe it because it just sounds too crazy. It feels like a scary time to be alive. The reality is, is it's just an inconvenient truth. And we need to start looking at this and saying, hey, I think maybe I, I, can, I, I would like more information now and that we need to hold these so-called officials accountable to give back our choice, our informed consent, and to kind of reverse the effects of this global traumatization that is currently going on with the hiding of information. Yes. So it brings us to this question of how do we talk about it? How do we, 
how do we share information? How do we consult the people we in the past have trusted? And how do we how do we start to find ways to communicate with people around the reasons we've come to the decision to make the choice that is different to the mainstream narrative? Mm. And if we do, and um, Nicole and I very much are choosing not to be vaccinated, um, what will this mean for us in the future? And right now with these reports of things like vaccine passports and segregating society, it, it looks like we're going back in time. It looks like we're going back to um, black bathrooms and white bathrooms. Mm. It looks like we're we're going back to um, Nazi Germany with Jewish stars. It looks like a serious regression in societal unity. Mm, and there's this idea, you know, where you know before something like this happens, we think, of course, everyone can have their choice, and that's really lovely. And then something changes and it goes, oh no, but now you can't because this is serious. Now we don't, we don't get to have choice. Now we take away all your human rights. And that's crazy, right? That's not how this works. It's like, we're always going to require choice and there's always needs to be another solution in another way. It's not just this one way. And so the way that it's being, um, dictated the way that it's being shared is that oh no this isn't a time for choice this is an emergency so all those naughty people who don't want their vaccine just need to get it because that's the only way we're going to stay safe and if you really think about it what, what does that mean like as in the whole world's just going to die it hasn't happened yet the virus has already peaked right like this hasn't happened and there has to be faith that it's like we're going to stay safe and this not enough, like for us, not enough evidence to even show that the vaccine works considering most people now know that it doesn't actually um, stop you from getting COVID and it doesn't stop you from spreading it. So what are we arguing about? Mm. This idea of, of the way that they are presenting it to the public, the use of certain psychological tactics to create divide and separation means that we are fighting each other. And this is the worst thing that can happen, this level of divide and separation, what John is touching on the idea of, you know, having to wear the star or having to go to separate places. I mean, so many people are actually don't feel good about this, don't necessarily want to take the vaccine, but have had to because their employment has been threatened. Their ability to participate in society has been threatened. Their ability to go and see their family in other places has been threatened. When governments are threatening people, saying it's a, it's for their health, right, for their well-being, this is not okay. We need to be asking bigger questions and also looking for different solutions. There are so many other solutions. There is other early treatment plans. All this information is being censored, is being taken out from your view so you aren't able to access the truth of what is going on. And I will truly say this, we are being absolutely lied to on such a grand scale that I understand how hard that is to hear because no part of our ego ever wants to feel like we've been tricked or lied to. Mm. So that's what cognitive dissonance is. It will actually reject it even if all the evidence is showing you the opposite. It will say, no, 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 you're still right because it feels safe to feel right. And if you haven't cultivated a level of awareness and humility in your own self and your own practices, it's very hard to then recognize 
wow, how did I get that lied to? How did I get that fooled? And anybody who sits on where we sit on the side of the fence, we've all been through that, right? Because the conditioning starts from when we're born. This hasn't just started in the last two years. And you wake up to a point where you're like, wow, the world is a little bit upside down. And actually, I have to look at things with much more of a critical view and a critical mind and be able to drop into my own heart and understand what what resonates with me, what where is the truth in this, and not just blindly follow for the sake of pack mentality and wanting to kind of belong to these groups because that's where we feel safe. And so it takes a lot of courage and bravery to start to look at these things and actually fight for humanity in a different way, which is what we feel like we're doing. And what we're fighting for is freedom. We're fighting to see a more trauma-informed world. And this brings me to this, this idea of we are all actually born like this. We're all born as natural humanitarians. Humanitarians? I can't say it. Humanitarians. Yeah. Humanitarians. I said it, guys. Um, we're all born this way as, as if we were born like sacred activists for our great mother, Mother Earth, and for all other beings. You know, we consider the Earth, the sky, as our, as our, as our great parents, right, that, that birthed us here onto this planet. And then all other beings are like our brothers and sisters. And as children, when we're born into the world, that is just who we are. We understand this inherent truth and we would do everything to look after the earth and to look after each other. Now, what happens through our uh, programming and conditioning as children and young, young people and, and as adults, actually, is this other idea of being a humanitarian. And, and, <laughs> and that is being an activist for for the planet or we sort of see it very much in let's say the more left-wing side of the the government where it's I'm going to be more sustainable I'm going to look after the planet um I'm I'm the one cheerleading and, and everybody else isn't doing it they don't care but I do care and so they're actually the same thing right it's about caring about the earth. It's about caring about each other. It's about wanting to look after other humans. It's about wanting to see the planet thrive. Both uh, different types are the same, except for one teeny tiny difference. The one that we're born with, this idea of wanting to protect the planet and each other is just filled with love and understanding and compassion. And so when we do things, we do it just from this place of kind of innocence in a way of just love and care and being like, oh, but I love you and I would never want to hurt you. And that is the baseline of that. The second one that's being conditioned in is coming from fear and divide and separation and judgment. And so as much as you might like to think of the example of walking down the beach and you see the piece of plastic on the beach, right? And there's two ways that you can pick up this plastic. You might even be doing it with both, you know. And one is just this, oh, look, there's some plastic. I don't want my mother to have that plastic on her. I'm just going to pick that up. And I understand that we all use this because most of our food and everything is wrapped in plastic. And it's okay. It just ended up here. I'm going to put it in the bin, though, because that's what I feel like doing right now. And then you joyfully uh, do that action. The second one is seeing the piece of plastic and being like, oh, I'm going to pick that up because I seem to be the only person who cares about the earth. And I can't even believe that that person would have thrown this on the floor. They don't even care. They probably just stood here laughing while they just threw plastic on the beach because they're a terrible person and I'm a good person. Now, these two versions, one has been programmed into you, into me, into John, into mm. us all. But the other one is how you were born. And through awareness, through connecting back to your heart, you can actually tune in to that first one 
right? And that one at times like these sees all beings as sacred and worthy and loving and you don't have a sense of separation or you don't want, you would never be able to take someone's choice away because you would understand that they had their own story, their own experiences, their own knowledge that allowed them to make that choice. But if you're in the second one, the conditioned type of activism, the conditioned type of, of care, then you start to judge. You start to feel like if somebody else doesn't get that vaccine, then they're trying to hurt me. They're trying to kill all the babies. You know, if they're not wearing a mask, they want me to get sick. They want everyone else to get sick. They want that, my granny to get sick. Yeah. That view has been conditioned into you. It's not real. The real version in your heart is saying, ah, oh, I choose to get a vaccine because it feels like a good thing for me. And it might be that you just believe the government. That's totally fine. You might have done your own research and come to the point where the vaccine was a good idea, totally fine. You might have done your research and been like, actually this vaccine doesn't feel good, totally fine. You might have other medical complications or a certain makeup, a certain sensitivity, which you know would mean that taking that vaccine is a very unsafe thing to do, that's totally fine. Now, all of these different perspectives should be totally fine. And from this first perspective of activism that we're born just loving our great mother and loving each other, we would just accept this with love and kindness and we would all get on with our life because we would understand our innate connection to the earth and to each other and even this idea that there's this rampant evil virus out to kill us all is also ridiculous and has also been conditioned. And there's some beautiful, I'm not sure we got it, but information around how, because the virus was actually man-made, it has softened in its intensity as it interacts with us and with the earth. It's like mother nature herself is toning it down. Mm. And that might sound like a crazy out there perspective, but it makes so much sense if you tap back in to that part of you that was born connected to the earth, right? That has this innocence and this love of like, I'm just here having a human experience. It also, this perspective understands that death is not a failure. Death is not something to be afraid of but also we don't have to do things that are going to bring death on faster right or we don't have to hide from it and be so terrified of life itself all of these things are taking away our choice all of these things are causing more collective trauma and what we're suggesting is that we could live in more freedom you know we could live in a more trauma-informed world around covid wouldn't it be wonderful wouldn't it be yeah a more trauma-informed world and it wouldn't require any um, of the phenomenon of virtue signaling mm. where someone has to pick a side in a, in a particular way, um, has to make public their views to try and generate a kind of a side, try and generate what I would consider mob mentality, mm. um, this collection of people, well, we're doing the right thing. And all you others who aren't doing what we're doing must be therefore doing the wrong thing. No. I would say, no, you're doing the right thing for you and someone else's right thing is going to be different either slightly or completely than your right thing. So rather than forcing the polarization rather than forcing the us versus them, which we have talked about in other episodes, rather than forcing the creation of that, 
try and find a way to be so sure of your own decision that you don't need anyone else on your team, that you don't need any mob members, that Mm. you don't need any pitchforks, that you don't need to negate the other. And so the choice becomes really about discernment, really about making very clear you did what you did because you wanted to and it was your choice and someone else will do what they want to do because it's their choice and it's highly likely it's going to be different in some way, at least in the decision-making process, than the way you came to the decision and that's okay. Mm. It is truly, um, that's coming from fear when we want to change someone else's beliefs and there is a lot of fear that's being thrown at all of us. So it makes sense that you feel like that if you do. But understanding that if you have the desire to change somebody else's beliefs, because that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. If you believe you have the right to change someone else's beliefs, <laughs> it might be time to change your own beliefs, right? Because that's the only <laughs> thing you can control. You can't control that. And if you're getting upset and you're trying to fight it, really consider what are you doing? Look at it deeper. Take a step back. It's like seeing people you know, recording other people and dobbing them in. Just take a moment, take a breath, ask what you're doing. Understand that at the moment, everyone's just trying to survive because it's not just about this this virus that's so-called on the loose and, and out to attack us. It's that there's a lot of other issues that are going on with mental health, with just struggling to stay on top of it. And sometimes you need to swim in the ocean. The fact that a few people sitting in a room are telling All these people, how they're allowed to interact with nature is obscene. It is so against our human rights. It is not even funny. And then if you're the person that's reporting other people, ask yourself why. Like, how does that actually legitimately make you feel safe? How are they actually threatening your safety? Or is it just that you've always followed rules and you're too scared not to follow rules? And what does that really mean? What does it mean if the rules are inhumane? What if the rules are taking away choice? What if we're losing our freedoms and human rights? Are you able to take that courage to just be a human being, step outside of the box, give people their freedom in those moments, love them, smile at them, connect (laughs) very hard if your face has been covered. And even just on that, this idea of uh, making face coverings mandatory is also very bizarre. And if you've looked at the science and not the laws, but the science behind this, there's about a 1%, um, what is it? Effective. 1% effectiveness. Of wearing a mask. Mm. The reason for that is because um, from the information that we've received, and we choose to believe the information we've received, and we've looked for it in in very kind of abstract ways, um, from the information we have received, the... The virus itself um, is one micron in size and the holes in the medical masks, um, let alone the larger holes that are in fabric masks, but the holes that are in medical masks are three microns in size. So if you know the virus was traveling on the air and from the breath in that way, then it would be traveling in and out through the mask with a a great deal of ease mm. and so it's like it makes sense you know if you were a doctor and you're operating on somebody or you're you know they're in there sort of i don't know spitting all over you 
different. You might want to wear it just purely for the grossness of someone spitting on you. <laughs> um, but the way that they're selling it now is is really very disturbing. And actually, because it's been going on for so long, there's more research and more studies coming out that show that the use of wearing masks like this can actually make you really sick. And I think we're going to see a lot of long-term effects with this um, and damage to the lungs, among many other things. And, you know, we both have exemptions from wearing masks because one, I don't, there's not enough, there's not enough evidence. There's not enough reason just because someone says something I'll question it because I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense logically at all. And I keep myself healthy. Why would I do that? Um, but also I've had several times in my life where I've had severe pneumonia, which sits on my lungs and asthma as a kid. And so for me to be restricting my breath like that for something that might have a 1% effectiveness is insane. I'm putting my respiratory system in at a higher risk than I would without wearing a mask. In a time where we're supposedly trying to avoid a respiratory virus, it's a, a little bit of an interesting paradox. And yet for me to do that, I have to walk around where people look at me like I want to murder their children or something because I'm not wearing a mask. You know, going to the supermarket is a very intense experience when you're looked at like this. And so when people think that we're too extreme comparing this to Nazi Germany, I can tell you, if you want to feel it, if you want to understand, get yourself an exemption from the government website. Everyone's allowed one. And um, you and walk into a supermarket and see what that feels like because the level of judgment and fear from others is completely irrational, right? They don't have the story. They don't understand. They're not... There's not a point of compassion. Again, it's those two different types of, of being a humanitarian when you're the one you're naturally born with and the one you're conditioned. And all of that conditioning comes out. And what's actually going on is the reason the judgment's there for a lot of people is because they don't want to wear a mask and so it feels unfair. So they're just getting angry and projecting outward as opposed to doing their own research or asking questions or coming into the space of love to try and understand and have compassion to find the freedom for themselves. Then there are other people who don't have an issue with it because actually wearing a mask for them feels 100% like the safest thing to do. And by all means, I'm like, if it feels that if you feel good with it and you've again, you trust the information or you've done your research and it feels really real for you, amazing. You do you. But just notice if the, the divide that is happening because of the lack of awareness, because of the lack of choice that's being given. And even when our government and these leaders are doing these whatever they do, their announcements and their fear-mongering, are they giving both sides of the story? Mm. Are they alleviating divide and separation? Because public health should be about coherence, should be about people coming together. I mean, you can say be kind a million times, but if you're not being kind, it doesn't really mean shit. Mm. It really doesn't. So... This discussion obviously is um, long-winded. Is <laughs> as, as an ongoing one as all of these rules and laws and all of these changes are kind of put down upon us. Um, and I'm going to kind of wind us up with a, a quote from um, Martin Luther King, mm. just to to leave you with something to ponder and. The quote goes like this. One has not only a legal, but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. So if they are just, they are serving justice. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey 
unjust laws. Mm. Martin Luther King Jr. So if you consider whether or not you think these laws are just or unjust, you what you choose to believe, then it's up to you to choose how to act. Mm. And, you know, we highly invite you <laughs> to, to find the kindness, to find the understanding, to find the freedom within you. Because if you don't have choice within you, it's very hard to be able to offer that to others. Um, also, we would like to extend out that if anybody is struggling uh, and feels like they you feel like things are a bit off and backwards, you're confused and you don't have a community to tap into or you don't have the ability to access information, then please feel free to reach out. We are 100% here and supporting those who are wanting to have or find just the access to other information of doctors and scientists who are talking in this way. And also, if you just want to connect in with like-minded community um, in these very strange and unprecedented times, we are here. Absolutely. So thank you again for listening. Uh, and please do uh, click the link to subscribe or share this on social media, although there is a high potential it will be censored. So congratulations if you've managed to hear this one before it does get censored. Mm. Yeah, remember, we love you all, no matter which side or part of the fence that you sit on, and uh, may the choice always be yours. The Radical Awareness Podcast. Mm -hmm.